0: As every entrepreneur knows, starting a business is challenging, so challenging in fact that it's impossible to do it entirely on your own. Starting and growing your business will require collaboration, whether it's with service providers such as lawyers or marketing firms, or physical manufacturers such as product factories or part suppliers. Particularly in the early days, it's imperative to have strong partners in place to gain momentum, and this requires very particular skills, attitudes and tools. This is The Healthy Business Show. I'm your host, Fred Road, and in this episode, we're chatting to two very special guests on the integral topic of partnerships. First up, I'm going to phone Mike Anderson, the CEO of the National Small Business Chapter in South Africa. And then secondly, I'm going to Skype internationally renowned entrepreneur, speaker, and consultant Yoss Dirks. Mike, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, I understand that you're an incredibly busy guy and you've, uh, you, you're a lifelong entrepreneur. And I know what that means, being an entrepreneur myself. That basically means that weekends don't really exist. You're obviously involved in something that's really inspiring at the moment. The National Small Business Chamber, uh, which I believe is one of the world's fastest growing and, and most successful organizations of its kind, Mike, thank you for your time. I, I really wanted to just get an idea of how you got to th- this point. I mean, you're definitely doing something that's clearly evident as, as a passion of yours uh, and entrepreneurship being a passion. How did you get to to be doing the uh, NSBC and working with so many wonderful uh, initiatives?
1: First, first of all, thank you very much. I'm, I'm very grateful to talk to you and, of course, to entrepreneurs around the country and, uh, you know, never too busy to do this. And it's all about, you know, my passion is about helping others. And uh, it's tough out there to survive as an entrepreneur. Sure. And then, of course, very few make the thousand days. And, and that's what we're all about. And, you know, I know from my own history, I am a lifelong entrepreneur. I started off when I was very young and uh, I paid the price. I hit the wall. and uh, But I always had one vision, you know, and uh, that never surrender uh, drive. If you keep moving and you never give up, you will always arrive at where you want to be. And that's what I did for my early days. I knew on, on my road I'd hit the wall. But if I came back, changed direction and kept moving, I would eventually arrive at where I wanted to be. And, of course, I, many years ago I lost everything that I had and, uh, and I was grateful enough to, to, to maintain that positive outlook and, and, and keep moving. And, and, and eventually I, I built myself back up and I sold my company to an international company. And then, of course, after that I decided that I want to spend the rest of my life doing what I love most, helping other business owners, helping others uh, uh, to go through not what I went through and uh, to, to survive. And, and, and Importantly for me, it's about creating job creators because small business is the main survival economy. It's the future of job creation. So we need to, as a community, as a nation, big business and government, uh, to really look after that small business environment so that these are the future job creators. You know, uh, nice. say two-thirds of our working population work in a small business. So, uh, and that's where the NSPC was born, and uh, you know, importantly, it was born around the passion of collaboration with my own small team of people to work on common ground and build up the NSBC and straight away we knew that we would have to identify our weakness and surround ourselves with incredible partners in which we have done and uh, this of course we are very grateful for.
0: Mike, I want to get into the partnerships but just before we do, I just want to dig a little bit deeper into that first business that you ran and and, uh, you say you lost everything. I mean I, I identify with that because I have a similar story when i was in my mid-20s i ran a business uh, therapy practice and then i lost everything and and it was it was definitely one of the hardest experiences of my life and i know that there are many uh, who have gone through similar sort of experiences can you talk a little bit into that business what it was and with particular reference to maybe some of the mistakes that you you made and learned from in that uh, in that experience
1: Yes, you know, thank you for that. And, and I'm passionate about talking about it. You know, I spent great of my time on these podiums around the country and some parts of the globe talking about it for the purpose of really saying to people out there, it's really okay to fail. You know, historically, society doesn't allow one to fail, and it's very difficult to come back because of all sorts of consequences. So for me, it's about embrace failure and, of course, uh, move forward positively. And in my early days, you know, I was a professional diver up on the west coast uh, in Port Nelson. And I, you know, some people leave school and they decide to go around the world in on this one-year trip, and I decided that I was completely different, and I wanted to become a professional diver. I went through professional diving school, and I, I got a job up on the west coast. And I dived diamonds for two years, and you may ask, you may, might, you might have lost some money there, but not. Only. <laughs> no, I went back to Cape Town from Port Natal, and I saw in Cape Town there's a big opportunity on the side of the road for these, you know, these little fast food caravans, and it was quite a frenzy in the early 80s. And uh, anyway, what we did do is that uh, we found a manufacturer, and we we made some car- quite a lot of caravans, and uh, I put them on a uh, on a on a train down to Cape Town, and uh, I got a call very early hours the following morning, and found that. Uh, my 200 caravans were lying upside down in the desert. Oh, and no. uh, <laughs> people say, well, Mike, that's okay. You probably really want insurance And, and uh, I made one of the biggest mistakes of my life. I, I didn't take out insurance, you know. And, and, and I lost that. And uh, so that was one of the big uh, mishaps at a very young age. Uh, uh, is that, uh, you know, you you, you, you you take for granted that whatever you've done and it's going to work out, but you, you kind of don't often see what you should be doing before you do these things. And uh, But I still maintain my great attitude and decided that, well, you know what, uh, I go to a lot of restaurants and I noticed especially up in Kauteng, that it's very difficult to go to a restaurant where there's fresh fish served to you on the plate. For that day, it's generally frozen, specifically at that time. So what we wanted to do was create a business where if I could get fresh fish onto a restaurant in Johannesburg that was caught early hours of that morning, it would be a winner. And of course, we did do that. And uh, I went back to Cape Town and uh, identified the suppliers. And uh, I had a contact with the airways that we would basically get this big airplane and uh, stack it with ice and uh, and have a flying cooler box, and uh, the fish was caught from Hart Bay. We loaded it got to the airport, and off it went. And uh, a lot of fish, and of course, a big investment. And there again, uh, you know, we got there. My partner up in Johannesburg got the fish right to the restaurants. There's about 200 restaurants before 12 o'clock that day, and we were in business. We were in the fish business. Nice. And uh, what happened was, 20 not even 24 hours later. Uh, My partner got the call from all the chefs he had distributed these um, fish to, and uh, we poisoned half of Johannesburg. And uh, (laughs) what the reason? What what happened was it's quite simple. That you cannot just transport uh, fish at different temperatures throughout the day. And although it was on cold ice, uh, in practice, it sounds. Pretty uh, uh, well, logical, but the result was is that we unfortunately poisoned half of Johannesburg no. and we were out of the fish business before we actually <laughs> were solid into it.
0: By this stage, it's a miracle that you didn't actually just give up at that point and go and take a corporate job.
1: For me, it's you know, when I talk around and I talk to a lot of people, and, and, and that is, you know, if you think everything that you do is going to work, uh, you're so wrong. But the important thing is we've got to try. Fred, we've got to try. There's never a perfect time to start a business. Uh, You've got to try. And uh, rather start in a good business today, what you think, than a great one tomorrow. But there's only one rule that I have. It doesn't matter if we hit an obstacle on a route, as long as we learn from the experience and we can get one step higher up that ladder. That's the important thing. Then that learning experience and obstacle that we hit is worthwhile. If we keep making the same mistakes and we're not taking those learnings and putting it into the next business practice, then unfortunately it's a disappointment.
0: Mike, talk to you a little bit about the business that did succeed. What, you know, how did that start? And, and in particular, how did you forge the types of partnerships that you, you needed in order for it to succeed?
1: Straight after that, I realized that uh, I wasn't going to stop. And uh, I didn't quite know. I ran out of business ideas. And uh, I came up to Johannesburg at that time. And uh, I'm, I'm looking around. And nobody could really help me on, on, on a business idea uh, or a business opportunity. So I actually, uh, one weekend I went to, and, and in those days there were very few of them, an exhibition, you know, at a trade show on a weekend and 300 exhibitors and you walk around there and you, it, was actually, it was actually a home show. And I realized that there wasn't a business opportunities exhibition in South Africa, and I realized, imagine if I could walk into an exhibition center, a big arena, and there's three or four hundred business opportunities on display with seminars attached to it, and uh, I could walk out of there. What could take me normally two or three years to investigate could take me three days. So in actual fact, what I did do is that I formulated, I created the first business opportunities and franchise exhibition in South Africa. And uh, at that time, it was hosted at the Kalami Exhibition Center. But what I needed to do at that point, I couldn't do it on my own. So I realized I need to forge a few partnerships for me to be able to establish this uh, forum where I could bring on exhibitors. And I needed to market to potential uh, aspiring entrepreneurs. And, uh, yes, one of the the major banks uh, assisted me in doing this. And uh, they sponsored me and they believed in me. They they liked my story. I was transparent about my past. They they believed in my tenacity, and then, of course, they, they put some money on the table, and that allowed me to pay the necessary expenses that I needed to to be able to do that. And the first exhibition went off and it was a small one. It was only 23 exhibitors and about 400 delegates. But I knew uh, the following year, had another year to, of course, build us up. And I did do. And eventually, I pulled up a big, port- a big portfolio of exhibitions and publications. And that led me onto different types of exhibitions because I realized at that point, I can't just do one ex- one exhibition a year. I needed to have a portfolio of exhibitions. And then, of course, the digital publication started. And eventually, I sold out to a global company who bought me outright and. Uh, and uh, I was very really grateful for that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it came as a surprise to me. I didn't have an intention to sell it all. Uh, but, of course, everything is for sale at the right time. And uh, that's what I did do. And uh, so I, I sold out. And then I did the deal the the season. I came back to South Africa and I realized, now, now what am I going to do? You and then I And then I realized that, you know what, I, I've had so, I've, so far such an interesting life, which uh, which I appreciated a lot and I met such amazing people on route that it was my time and, and, and place to really spend the rest of my life helping others and specifically SME entrepreneurs. That was my passion was because I've always been an entrepreneur and I've always loved the SME space because not only is it vibrant and, and, and important, it's the future of who we are in this country. So I started out in the the, the National Small Business Chamber. It was in the, 2000, it was actually now almost exactly 10 years ago, 11 years ago, to be precise. And uh, I started that, and uh, here again, I, I needed partners. And, uh, you know, I could never have uh, started out without proper partners because I realized that I could offer a specific offering what I knew best. But there were many weaknesses around me that I couldn't uh, close that circle. So I started to find partners. And, of course, you know, no one wants to be the first Partner in your business venture. You know, people like to see who other partners are. And of course, here again, a leading brand uh, became a partner. And they said, Mike, before we become a partner, I need you to come back to the board in two weeks' time. I need you to tell us exactly what's in it for us, what are you going to do, a a complete business plan at its finest. And I did. I came back two weeks later and I said, You know what? If you and I can help one small business in one small way every day from now, wouldn't that be fantastic? And, and, and strangely enough, they, they looked at me and they said that's the greatest proposal probably that we've ever uh, witnessed. I'd made no promises. I had a vision. I had a passion. And, of course, I never realized at that time that we would land up with over 130,000 small to medium-sized businesses who are part of our organization today. And that's as a result of partnerships. But my partnership started within my own team again, collaboration with my own team, and, of course working together on a common objective and at the same time surrounding myself with outside partners, the best brands, the the leading brands who can complete the service of providing the best solutions, the best ideas, the best opportunities, the best trends to people who are starting a business. And for those businesses out there who want to grow bigger, and more successful business.
0: So if I'm hearing you correctly, that conversation was quite a pivotal one with the bank and, and you know, to the board and so on. And, and essentially, it was a very organic, very natural conversation with a shared goal, something that resonated on both sides.
1: Absolutely. And, and I think it was unique. You know, the discussion was different. It was unique. It was outside the norm. And, you know, one of my biggest uh, messages to entrepreneurs out there, we've got to be unique and we've got to be different. We've got to challenge the status quo. We mustn't do what everyone else is doing, as Einstein said. You know, if we keep doing the same thing every day and expecting different results, it's the first sign of insanity. So the point for me is I was refreshing in my approach. This is what I was told. I was refreshing. I was honest. I was transparent. But I knew knew that uh, I believed that the way forward would be an exceptional one. Mike, how
0: intentional was it in terms of the partnerships that you forged? I mean, in general, I know from personal experience, it's often quite a rollicking ride when you're running your business and you're frantically trying to keep your head above water. And, you know, you're going from one meeting to the next and so on. And, And essentially, a lot of it is. Is luck and providence, and, and then you know a lot of it is is uh, there there are things that are intentional. But I mean, you mentioned you look for the types of partnerships that essentially make up for your weaknesses. Um, it, it, how, how intentional should people be around those those partnerships? Is it proactive or is it reactive? Yeah,
1: you know, the partnership base, as the old saying goes, two heads are better than one. And 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 for us is, is that if we didn't uh, secure partnerships around us, we might not even we wouldn't be 10% of the way where we are today. And for me, it's, it's also you, you've got to be a foundation of principle of attracting partnerships. Because remember, generally, if you're going to partner with big brands, it, there's, there's got to be enormous amount of credibility. And do what you say you will do. You to know, stick to that. Do what you say you do. You know, if you have integrity, nothing else matters. And if you don't have integrity, nothing else matters. And, of course, many of these leading brands are putting their brands at stake all over your websites, your Facebook pages, their exhibitions. And, therefore, you've got to really keep doing exceptional things to maintain those partnerships. And, of course, also for the partnership base, you know, I always go in to create a partnership. What can I do for you? Think like a doctor. You know, identify the pain of these potential partnerships and help take the pain away. And then from that point on, they will say, right, this is what we can do for you. Collectively between you, Mr. Partner and us, we can achieve something that's common and that's important to both organizations. And that's the fundamental principle of how we build partnerships. And of course, most of our partnerships now come from referrals, uh, we have on our, uh, on our base of partners over 65 leading global brands. And for that, we are grateful for. And if you look at our partners, in 10 years, we have 100% retention of all our partners. And uh, why? It's because what we do what we say what we do and we over-deliver on any form of expectation.
0: Mike, I, I want to talk to maybe a tricky subject, but... You're clearly very adapted to creating great partnerships. And I think, you know, that seems to be an overflow of your personality and your character. However, I think a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs, particular ones that are younger and that are not as experienced will end up in partnerships that are not as equally weighted from because you mentioned the word integrity. And I think often that happens, the opportunity of partnership, which sounds good and certainly can help you and can be financially beneficial. But there is a mismatch in terms of integrity and and the the values that both parties hold. Now, can you speak a little bit into that? And and what potentially could a, a young entrepreneur do in such a situation?
1: Yeah, I think that's 100%. You know, if you look at partnerships, there's different types of partnerships. You get the strategic partnerships that will be very strong in, of course. And then you get your business uh, partnership. You know, you and I go into business together, we have 50% shareholding each, and we, you're the financial man, and I'm the marketing guy. Those are very common out there, and unfortunately, Many of them don't work out for certain reasons. And, and as a young guy today, and if you want to start out, and generally young people who start out form a partnership because of the lack of funding in most cases, and in often other cases, of course, uh, skills in a certain areas. And that's more important. That's, a, that's more of an important reason to go into a partnership in, in, in surrounding yourself with the right skills than it is about financial because most people out there start a business, borrow for the wrong reasons. And yes, a lack of capital and cash flow of course, affects a lot of businesses on the way, but that's of course another discussion. But the important thing about partnerships is partner for the right reason. You know, do your homework, research the right person, make sure that there's a track record. You know, start off by working together without massive commitments, because in in in, in general, uh, we've seen very few partnerships that work. But if they do work, they become phenomenal partnerships, and I think that's the upside. So uh, yeah, it's 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 a it's it, 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 for 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 us, our experience of all our SMEs out there and all our members, you know, we see some terrible stories as a result of partnerships. But then again, there are some good ones. So I think the important thing is partner with the right person or the right people and ensure you're doing it in that way only, not for any other reason.
0: As you mentioned, I think it's you know, it's almost unavoidable that with a, a growing business, when you start it and you start growing it and you, you're trying to build it in the early days, that partnerships are, are unavoidable. You've got to make up for, as you mentioned, those weaknesses. How much should you trust your gut in terms of the right types of partnerships? And I mean, in terms of financial and legal and, you know, support services and so on, because you're effectively betting the farm with these people that you're now suddenly in business with, either formally or, or, or kind of loosely. What's your experience with your sort of gut feel?
1: The nature of the animal of an entrepreneur is not science; it's gut. And you know, if you look, if I look back on my own history, uh, everything that I've done and gone into, and I'm very grateful now that, to say, most things that I have done, I've done successfully, except for the early days. Those decisions that I took uh, were all based on gut. Uh, it was not uh, research, or uh, you know. To study the market and deliver what the market wants you to deliver in those early days. But what I did do, I learned a great deal from that to allow me to get to where I wanted to be in time. So, and, and those partnerships that I had at that time, there were two different partnerships in both those two areas that I mentioned. You know, fortunately, both these gentlemen were wonderful people and, and, and I've, you know, I remained great friends for many years. And if you look at the reason why those those didn't work. It was not because of the partnership that didn't work. It was because of the, the lack of investigation into the business model itself. You know, on the uh, uh, flying the fish from Cape Town to Joburg, we should have spent more time investigating. Could that work? You know, and we didn't do that, of course. Sure. And so those are the kind of things. And so the, so, so the partnership, and often the case is that partnerships generally start to deteriorate when the funding runs out because of the poor business model both partners go into.
0: Mike, in all your experience and all your years, you've obviously come across a a huge amount of Uh, lessons and learnings and so on and you've got your annual book called never surrender which you 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 refresh every year and so on i want to know what are the real salient lessons that you can share with us and with particular reference to partnerships but i mean you know maybe some overall stuff that you can share that really kind of bubble to the surface and that just come up over and over again
1: Yes, thank you for that. You know, over the over the years, years I've met the most incredible people all over the world, people who've gone from zero to hero and many back to zero and back to hero again. And I've learned a great deal from these. I've interviewed these mercurial people who've, who've done this. And, and, and there's a number of lessons that are common in all of these amazing people. As an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur, we must always remember that success is a choice. You can choose to be successful if you follow the right principles in life. Natural talent is irrelevant to great success. Like happiness, success is a choice. If we understand that from the outset, any one of us can be successful. So what do these material people do and what are people out there who are starting their own business or people who are in business, what can they do differently right from today to ensure that they increase the edge? And coming to the word partnership, first of all, We've got to soar with the eagles that fly high. We've got to surround ourselves with those people who encourage us, who believe in us, and we've got to get rid of the toxic elements around us. We've got to understand that. So that, that soaring with the eagles that fly high can be about our friends around us because, remember, we're only as good as the five people that we surround ourselves most with in life, and that's also in business. So, importantly, surround ourselves with the right people, with the right partners, and in that way you have that edge. Then, of course, we, we've, got to, we've got to do what Steve Jobs did. We would rather be a pirate than join the Navy. Be unique and we've got to be different. We've got to challenge the status quo. We cannot be a conformist and one day expect to arrive on our deck chair and we look back because then we will live a life of mediocrity. Be different and of course, believe in yourself. If we conquer those small goals all the time, if we keep conquering those small goals and we start having bigger goals and we can think bigger after that time, we, of course, our belief system becomes stronger. Think like a doctor. Start listening. Start listening out there and taking the people's pain away and delivering on that. Too many of us are telling and not, of course, listening. Telling is not selling anymore. We've got to listen. Of course, that's important to us. Learn to say no. Too many of us are saying yes to everything. There's only a certain amount of time that we have, and time, as we know, is the most precious commodity out there. Warren Buffett says almost no to everything except a few of the most important things in his life. And of course, take action. Remember that the conditions will never be perfect. We've got to take action and we've got to do it now. Rather do something good today than something great tomorrow. And then importantly, as I always say, if we keep moving and we never give up, we'll always arrive at where we want to be. And that's a fact.
0: So essentially, surround yourself with great people, be unique, don't be part of the status quo. Interesting, I met Ed Sheeran the other day while he was down here, yeah. and um his lesson to the people that were in a, a small group of people who actually met him was was be weird, be you know, be different, and then um believe in yourself, listen, don't be telling. I love that. Uh, learn to say no, take action, and then uh, keep moving. Never surrender, as the title of your book. Fred, also
1: importantly, you know, the, the number one reason why someone will do business with someone is because they like you for no other reason. Yes, your product, your price, your promotion is always important, those things. The number one reason why someone will do business with you is because they like you. The important thing is this is what you've got to do learn to be a nice guy. Start being more grateful, start forgiving, start being more positive. These are the kind of things. Take responsibility for everything. I learned that when that happened in my early days. No matter what happens to me in my life, Fred, I take responsibility for everything thrown at me. In that way, I can learn and I can keep moving forward.
0: Awesome. Very cool. Thank you, Mike. So last lesson, be lekker, in other words. Mike, you've been a star. Thank you so much for for joining in the show and for sharing with us these incredible lessons. We really appreciate it and we look forward to the uh, the ongoing success and this the story of the National Small Business Chamber.
1: Thank you very much. I'm very grateful.
0: Yes. Thank you for your time and thank you for coming onto our show. I know you are an incredibly busy individual and you're a you're an incredibly well travelled individual. And I know that uh, you're in South Africa for a, a brief period of time before you're swanning off to <laughs> one of the other countries that, uh, that you have on your international itinerary. So, uh, so thank you for uh, gracing us with your presence on the Healthy Business Show.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Fred. I really appreciate it. It's an absolute honor. Thank you.
0: Yas, how many countries actually have you been to?
2: I, <laughs> I've counted that I've been to 99 countries. And um, I mean, it's been, I'm, I'm exhausted. 99, <laughs> my world. It's been really fun, it's been really great. Um, but yeah, 99 so far.
0: That's incredible. So please tell me what is going to be the 100th country?
2: Great question. Um, I'm not sure <laughs> yet, to be honest. I, I I keep thinking that I might open it up to like a public poll and see but I'm personally very interested in going to Cuba I'd love to I'd love to see Cuba yeah I think that'd be really interesting
0: music rum I mean what could go wrong you know I uh, (laughs) I was kind of hoping you'd say something a bit more like you know Uzbekistan or 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 like you know St. Helena Island or something completely random but uh, but Cuba seems to be a noble choice but I think <laughs> Thank you. I, I think uh yes, when when looking at your resume and I mean you're an international consultant, you're an entrepreneur, you are the best selling author of two books, Girls Do Good and Tackled, you know, you've got an incredible experience. And with regards to this particular episode, we really wanna we wanna focus on the power of partnerships. Now you've done business with blue chip companies across the world. You have clients you know, in, in many, many regions around the globe. And, uh, and I know that you're very invested in, uh, in those partnerships. And can you maybe speak to the, the kind of secret ingredients that you've seen in, in forging these these partnerships?
2: Yeah, sure, Fred. I appreciate that. My career has unfolded in in different ways. I think moving from a corporate space to NGO space and back and forth and working for myself and working with different teams across the world, having employees, having contract staff, there's a lot of movement that has always been a huge part of my career. And I can say that I appreciate that fluidity and flexibility because I think in that, Lies a lot of opportunity if you're willing to trust and surrender that you're going to find great clients, that you're going to deliver an extraordinary product on time, every time with passion. You end up working with people that feel the same way. Was it, is that scary? Is it scary to take a step when you're in your late 20s and say, Well, I'm on this great career trajectory at this multinational. I know can keep growing here, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop collaborating and listen, quite frankly. <laughs> um, no, but I'm going to stop. I think that's the, the moment title of this what episode. What feels more true to me, what feels more authentic to me in my business choices. That's not an easy decision to make. That is super scary. And, you know, it does. Now we can look back and say, okay, so the last 10 years, let's see, I graduated university. Um, well, with my master's degree when I was, say, around 23. So it's been about nine, eight, nine years. And I think, you know, from that moment onwards, you can look back and say every single year has been colored by some type of theme of entrepreneurship, of self-empowerment, and of also servicing clients. And when those three are really in balance, I think you can deliver extraordinary work. To speak to your question, on the secret so, ingredient, when I grew up, I attended an international kindergarten in Bangladesh where every single kid was from a different nationality. So I don't waste time worrying about where somebody is or isn't from. Or At the end of the day, for me, working with different cultures, with people from that have different walks of life is completely normal. And I, I love it because it's the way that our world has been going for a while. So it's just been a part of the way that I grew up
0: sure so so it's a, almost like a natural overflow of who you are and your formative experience and uh and how you were raised right um and I, I think i mean looking at your resume you have such a fascinating uh journey that you've you've traversed over the past while and it's such a multi multicultural one and i think what I, you know with the in the spirit of trying to Understand the power of partnerships and uh, collaboration. Uh, I want to know. You speak a lot about passion and cause and meaning and purpose in in as almost like a thread through a lot of what you do. How important has has your particular uh, well? First of all, what is the central meaning and and passion and cause behind you and what you do? And secondly, how important has that been in terms of forging those partnerships?
2: That is such a great question. And we talk about passion so much as if everybody must just know theirs and be able to tap into it and then build a career around it. And, you know, the first question is, how do you even find out what you're passionate about? Sure. You know, how do you even say that is what I want to do? That is what I want to build my life around. That feels good to me every single time I do it. That is a really hard thing to do because on top of what our natural passion is, the state that feels good to us, we have layers of fears, we have anxiety, we have doubts, we have restrictions, we have health, we have family. There's so many other considerations to take into, uh, that, that come into play, essentially. I speak about passion. For me, passion is about creating things of value, things and moments of value. So what's most important to me is that the people that I'm working with are happy, that they feel good, that they're a vibration that feels good to them, that they're in their consciousness, that they love what they're creating. So no matter what, sure. I will always work on projects that awaken that, whether it's in the client or in my team, whatever. I think it's so important that people build what they love and love what they build. And the price we pay when we don't do that is very high. Now, it's all good and well to say, okay, so you're passionate about something, fantastic, make money out of it. That's very difficult. Um, It's very scary. You have to above all have faith in yourself every single day. And for any entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs to be or entrepreneurs listening to this, they can probably relate. You can probably very much echo the sentiment that I'm sharing, which is if you are brave enough to pursue what it is that makes your heart beat faster, then there are going to be times that you are all alone in that journey. That is just the truth. And yeah, it requires a lot of strength, patience with yourself and the belief that you were put on earth for a certain reason.
0: And sometimes I suppose it's more difficult for certain people and certain individuals and certain organizations. So, I mean, for you, I imagine it's quite, it, it was a little bit easier to identify that central thread. However, you know, what if I'm selling you know, cooking oil or or widgets or whatever, you know, something that doesn't have an inherent uh, uh, obvious purpose and, and cause in terms of a, a more sort of cerebral, heartfelt sense. Uh, what advice do you have? Because obviously, you know, from what I'm gathering, from what you're saying, that, you know, the central touch point of, a, a, you know, shared meaning or cause or purpose or passion is really important in forging those partnerships. What advice do you have for the entrepreneurs that maybe, you know, they struggle somewhat to, to identify that which makes their, their heartbeat faster.
2: I totally understood. What I would start by saying is that something only has value that you attach to it. So at the end of the day, whatever value you assign to what it is that you are doing is the value that that has. For example, you could be working in a role that isn't actually the best role for you. And I would say start by taking small steps and identifying what the value is that you can find in that specific role. So, for example, for one of my clients a few years ago, I did a lot of work that I enjoyed, but I wasn't super invested in. So I asked permission to start a project on yeah. uh, people with disabilities. I ran a people with disabilities campaign. Amazing. For- Two years with an agency that we were working with, and we loved it. And because we loved it, other people loved it, and people became involved. So if you can start small, if you can make even a 30-minute change per day in identifying something that is closer to your soul's work, then I would say go for it and do it. That being said, again, something only has the value that you attach to it. So if you decide, well, an international business is going to be valuable because it will make me look like i'm doing a great job or it'll make you know open up the world to me or it'll mean i'm global that's your value that you're attaching to it to somebody else that could be completely irrelevant they could be very happy living on the beach attaching value to something else so start sure. by identifying what is valuable to you
0: sure i love that the the inherent value to you and and certainly you know if it does have value then more than likely others will find or see that value can you speak to a little bit about the, the the multicultural aspect of your work the reality is you're going from a place like new york where there's you know the hustle hustle and bustle and and the product productivity that's really evident in uh, in in a city like that which is such a economic hub and then you, you're doing a lot of work in Cape Town which I imagine is very different in terms of that uh, that that um, that atmosphere that you experience
2: I love that I think you're so right you know New York is so funny it has such a Fantastic energy! I love it. I land there and I'm like, "Well, hello world! Here I am." You know, I think so many people share that feeling. It really is a place where you feel you can achieve anything, which is fantastic. That lives within you, though. And what I think is so important is remember the moments that affect you and call those experiences back up in your in yourself, in your body, in moments of doubt. Sure. Remember how good things feel and don't be afraid to tap into that when you are up against um, a challenge. And you're right. When I'm in New York, I know the work that I'm going to deliver. It's different than the work that I may deliver when I'm in a city like Cape Town or in a city like Dubai or London. Knowing how to maximize the location that you're in is key when you're on the road a lot.
0: Sure. Not every
2: place is going to give you the same energy, the same um connections, some places are for you to connect to yourself again, and others are for you to expand your network, and others are for you to be creative. So listen to what your environment is telling you. Sure. And that applies as much if you're not traveling. If you are in your hometown, use the different locations around you to feed your soul in a way that you need it to be fed.
0: Sure. So, so if I'm hearing you correctly, it's it's really embracing the the diversity of cultures and understanding it and being okay with it, and and I imagine that will it'll make the uh, the partnerships uh, more organic and more authentic uh, in terms of 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 the types of partnerships that you want in doing business globally. Um, would that be accurate?
2: That's very accurate, and I want to take it back a bit because. I didn't have a choice growing up where we would move, given my parents' careers. So we, so I was born in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro, and then lived in countries like Bangladesh, in Spain, in Senegal, in Canada, in Norway. So really different countries.
0: Why so many different countries? Why the incredible travel schedule?
2: <laughs> Both my parents were diplomats, actually. Okay. So they're... Um, respective diplomatic careers took us to different countries every single country that we lived in that we've been to has been beautiful has been an incredible experience because you meet people with amazing stories because you open your heart and your ears and your mind and you listen and you get to know different cultures and that's the only way to do it
0: out of interest out of sheer curiosity where did your parents finally decide to settle if if they have decided to settle
2: that's a wonderful question. So my mom is still a practicing diplomat, and she's currently stationed in Lithuania, in Vilnius, which okay. is a wonderful, wonderful city. Vilnius is really beautiful. Amazing. Um, but they, will, they have chosen to go back to the Netherlands, which is our home country, sure. and they'll be in the south of the Netherlands, which is very just beautiful.
0: Amazing. And finally, just to to ask you one last question, if you had to give some leave-behinds, in particular focus, the ability to forge partnerships across borders, what would be your top advice for for our listeners?
2: When you are looking at building partnerships across a distance, be extra diligent in how you turn up. And be extra diligent in the way that you communicate. And I I really mean saying, I'm going to be offline for the next three hours because of X and X. I'll get in touch with you at this and this time local. Convert to their time as well. I think it's a very respectful thing to convert to the other person's time zone. Great. And to to tell them the one that you're in. Because the thing is, When there's a lack of communication or when we feel like that disconnect happens, it's hard to bring it back up to speed. And when you're used to interacting face-to-face, we get so many more cues face-to-face. We get to see the eyes, the mouth, the breath. We get to feel the entire human being. So in a long-distance working relationship, in forging a new partnership that spans an ocean, be diligent and turn up because your business partner deserves it and it'll make a huge difference in whether or not your projects are successful
0: that's fantastic advice thank you Jos we will wait with bated breath to see what your 100th uh, your country is going to be <laughs> <laughs> we'll ask our, uh, our listeners to tweet at you with some suggestions and recommendations thank you Jos and uh, Anna, I hope you enjoy the rest of your stay in South Africa
2: thank you so much for having me Fred I appreciate it
0: Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Business Show. If you love this podcast, do let us know via social media. Tag at discovery underscore SA. Use the hashtag DSY healthy business and please do rate us on your favorite podcast platform. Whether it's Apple, Spotify or wherever you find your shows. You can also find more episodes on the Discovery website at discovery.co.za forward slash corporate forward slash podcasts.